Today on Ag News Daily. Basically, we are taking this technology along with Biosec from the healthcare industry into the swine industry for similar issues. So within the healthcare industry, we've been targeting pathogenic microorganisms. Good afternoon and happy Tech Tuesday from the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr joined by Delaney Howell. Delaney, how's your Tuesday looking? My Tuesday is looking pretty good, Ashton. Been pretty busy so far this morning, but can't complain too much. I tell you what, though, the temperatures here today are stifling. And I think we're seeing a lot of heat come into the Midwest, continuing to come into the Midwest this week, so much so that we saw crop condition ratings fall a little bit as of yesterday afternoon's report. Ashton, I'm going to go ahead and jump into these numbers if that's okay with you. Yeah, go right ahead. All right. So yesterday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central Time, of course, we had our weekly crop progress, crop ratings report. Sorry, not crop progress report. And uh, we saw some decline, most notably in the wheat markets, in the wheat pits, I should say. Uh, But we did see it kind of across the board. U.S. corn ratings fell just a percentage point to now 64% in good to excellent ratings. And soybeans fell 2% to about 58% in good to excellent compared to usually they're about 60% for this time of year, uh, or excuse me, they were 60% as of last week. But we have been seeing some rainfall reaching parts of the Midwest. However, not so much so when you go to the Northern Plains. Spring wheat continued to deteriorate further, as I mentioned there, and they were really the biggest uh, drop yesterday, leaving just 9% in good to excellent condition. However, we're in full swing with winter wheat harvest. 84% is harvested as of this week. And we've also got the wheat tour Wheat Quality Council Tour starting today. So scouts will be heading out all across the state of North Dakota to look at basically what the quality of wheat is looking like there and how things are shaking out. So we should see some big news coming out of that this week, I would anticipate, because we're again continuing to see ratings for especially North Dakota, but also just wheat country in general, continuing to decline. So Ashton, I'm hoping that we're going to be able to talk to someone about what they're seeing on the wheat quality tour later this week. But if not, we'll at least be reporting on it here on the podcast. Absolutely, Delaney. I'm excited to talk about that. I think that that kind of stuff is super interesting. And another thing that I think is super interesting, of course, that we've been paying attention to is weather. And we've talked about what's going on in Brazil with those cold temperatures, the frost, and how that will be affecting their crop. But I want to look a little bit more into what it's really doing to their coffee crop because Arabica coffee prices rose 10% more yesterday after jumping nearly 20% last week to their highest in nearly seven years as this unusually cold temperature is threatening crops across Brazil. Ashton, I'm glad you bring up coffee production because I think that one's kind of taking a backseat to, of course, the main crops there. But I was reading something as well today that's expecting this frost forecast to extend basically until the end of this week. So we're going to continue to see some colder temperatures down there, ample frost, and they're in the middle of harvest right now. And so it could be a little detrimental to their crop, more so it sounds like to their coffee crop, Ashton. Yeah, the article that I was reading, it also says, and I didn't really know this before reading it, but coffee trees are really sensitive to frost. So it doesn't sound like their coffee crop is going to be too good this year. 
No, it certainly doesn't. So you better load up and stock up on coffee now because I could see that pushing prices a little higher for consumers in the grocery store. Absolutely, Delaney. And on that same note, I want to kick things back over really quickly to the U.S. because the USDA's latest cattle on feed report and the biannual cattle inventory report indicate contraction and it's continuing in cattle herds across the U.S. Scott Brown, who we've talked to on the podcast before, says that the percentage of heifers on feed came in at a little more than 38% this quarter. And we've gotten now several quarters in a row of 37.5% and a He says that it just tells him that both from a cattle slaughter standpoint and a percentage of heifers we have on feed that we are not building. And I don't think that this comes as too big of a surprise to a lot of people because of ongoing drought conditions. And of course, what's that what that is doing to pasture conditions. So not too great news here for U.S. producers as well as consumers, because these things will likely contribute to higher prices. It certainly sounds that way, Ashton. And we talked a little bit about that yesterday on the Market Monday episode. So folks go back and re-listen to that if you haven't already. But Ashton, I'm going to take us here over into the legal world, more specifically the world of Congress, because today we saw the House Ag Committee advanced an $8.5 billion disaster bill that could cover a wide range of producers' losses in 2020 as well as 2021. And so this was a basically a nine-page bill, which was approved on a voice vote and would include damage from the ongoing Western drought, uh, folks impacted by the 2020 derecho, the polar vortex that struck in Texas last February, as well as wildfires. All of those things would be covered and more, uh, especially, you know, Ashton, when you guys had those power outages, those rolling power outages. I don't know if we ever talked about this on the podcast, but a lot of Texas milk producers were forced to dump milk. So they would also be eligible for payments as well. So this measure incorporates basically provisions of the temporary WIP and WIP Plus program that was enacted during 2017 or for the 2017 natural disasters uh, and hopefully would make it easier for farmers to qualify for some losses that they've been experiencing here over the past two years. Essentially, payments under this bill would be limited at $250,000 per person, except for producers of a high-value specialty crop that could collect up to $900,000, but overall would protect a large variety of producers impacted by basically Mother Nature. So we'll continue to watch that and see how that shakes out here in Congress moving forward. You know, Delaney, I'm I'm thankful for at least the producers that I talked to, like you said, during those power outages, because they didn't have too much trouble with dumping their milk. But I mean, I do know that quite a few, or at least the numbers that I saw back when that happened, that quite a few producers down here in Texas, unfortunately, did experience some issues when we had those blackouts. And hopefully we won't have any of those again in the near future or anything. I mean, I know we're in summer, so hopefully this winter won't be as bad as the last one. But uh, I just have one more story to talk about today, and it is concerning JBS. Two class action law firms said in a report that they reached a $20 million settlement with JBS USA regarding a pork price fixing case with indirect buyers. 
The suit was settled with the U.S. District Court for the District of Minnesota, and the settlement includes persons and entities who indirectly purchased pork from JBS and its affiliates from January 1st, 2009 through April 2nd, 2021. The class action lawsuit alleged that the company violated federal and state consumers and antitrust laws when conspiring to fix prices for pork. Along with this monetary payment, the law firm said that JBS agreed to cooperate in litigation and other parties and other indirect buyers' cases. Some of these other companies include Clemens Foods Group, Hormel Food Corporation, Seaboard Foods, Smithfield Foods, Triumph Foods, Tyson, and Agristats. Well, Ashton, it seems like then we have yet again another uh, another company going through and just trying to make amends here and move on from this. So it's going to be interesting really now that we're starting to see quite a few companies settle how they handle things moving forward. Hopefully, you know, we don't have this instance again where they have to go through this, but eh, I don't know that we're going to see this get fixed overnight. Yeah, they say you live and you learn, Delaney, but I don't know if these companies are really learning because it seems that these stories and lawsuits really just come every few months or so. So don't really know if they're, like you said, going to be fixed overnight. No, no. And I I don't think they will be. But I hope that we continue to see folks in Congress pushing bills and packages that help encourage the smaller and medium sized lockers to make their way back into the market, because I think really that's what we need is a little more competition in the protein industry. But speaking of competition, ADM has reported their net earnings for their second quarter at a 27% increase compared to the same period the year prior. Net earnings of $712 million were reported, and these earnings are also up not only from last year's second quarter, but also from 2021's first quarter. So it sounds like they are having an excellent year there at ADM, of course, largely reflected by the increase we've seen in commodity prices, but also just seeing the economy reopen this year has certainly helped them as well, Ashton. Well, Delaney, like I said, I'm all out of news for today. What do you say we get into the markets? Let's do that. And Ashton, I think for the markets today, I'm going to hop off here. We got to go do some market analysis here post-market close. But I'm going to leave you to do the markets today. So I think you can handle it just fine on your own. Well, kicking things off in the markets, we've got a little mixed trade in grain starting out with the corn contract. The September down ascent to close at 548 and three quarters. The December down a half a cent to close at 5.46 and a quarter in soybeans. Screen across the screen here, starting out in the August contract, up five and a half cents to close at 14.18 and a quarter. The September up four and a half cents to close at 13.67. The November up one and three quarter cents to close at 13.59 and a half. In wheat, the September contract down two and a half cents to close at 6.74 and a half. The December down two and a half cents to close at 6.84 and a quarter. In livestock, Live cattle, the August contract down 52 and a half to close at 122 and 92 and a half. The October down 77 and a half to close at 128.42 and a half. The December down 50 cents to close at 133.47 and a half. 
in feeder cattle read again here in the august contract down a dollar 50 to close at 160 and 70 cents the september down 82 and a half cents to close at 164 and the october down 50 cents to close at 165.95 in lean hogs the august contract up seven and a half cents to close at 107.47 and a half the october down 57 and a half cents to close at 92 at 52 and a half and the december down 67 and a half cents goes at 84.85 rounding things out with our class three dairy milk futures the july unchanged close at 16.53 the august up five cents to close at 16.62 and the september down 13 cents to close at 16.65 and with that i'm going to kick it over to my conversation talking about some interesting shoe disinfecting technology that i had at world pork expo Today, I have with me the Life Sciences Market Strategy Manager for Biosec LLC, Sebastian Laura, as well as Maria Pello Garces, who's the Marketing Manager for Pathogen Solutions. And these two companies have a strategic partnership, and I'm going to let these two kind of introduce that a little bit more here. But I want to thank both of you for joining us. Uh, Maria, I'm going to hand it off to you and uh, let you introduce yourself and what your day-to-day looks like at Pathogen Solutions. Sure. So uh, my name is Maria Paula Garces. I'm the marketing manager at Pathogen Solutions. Uh, the, the day-to-day for me looks like um, creating marketing strategies, creating marketing messages, uh, coordinating with our PR team, handling things for social media, and also some more in-house kinds of stuff, you know, like SEO and IP targeting. Awesome. And Sebastian, how about yourself? Absolutely. So as the uh, market strategy manager uh, with Biosec, we're really trying to take biosecurity and uh, focus on it as an engineering problem. Try to figure out how to apply any number of solutions uh, from perhaps other spaces, such as human life sciences, and bring them to this space. And I like that you talk about biosecurity as an engineering issue because a part of your strategic partnership is uh, not a foot bath, but something a little bit more different. So, Maria, you gave me the spiel earlier, so I'm going to hand the mic off to you to talk a little bit more about what this technology is. Sure. So basically, the UV Zone Shoe Sanitizing Station is a station that is meant to disinfect the soles of shoes. So the idea is that it would replace a foot bath because it plugs into a standard outlet. It doesn't require any additional staff. It works 24-7. And best of all, it only requires one annual maintenance, which is the changing of the bulbs. So compared to a foot bath that does require more maintenance, this is a really easy and scalable solution for anyone that has an operation that they're looking to grow. And I believe that this is already implemented in um, maybe a couple of operations. And I, I believe that, Sebastian, you said um, a hospital. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so basically we are taking this technology along with Biosec from the healthcare industry into the swine industry for similar issues. So within the healthcare industry, we've been targeting pathogenic microorganisms that often lead to healthcare-acquired infections, also known as HAIs. But then within the swine industry, we're targeting other kinds of pathogens as well. And we actually are currently partnering on a study at the University of Minnesota that is testing against PERS and PEDV. And we should have the results of that study in about two weeks. What's really interesting about that one is that we are testing our results 
uh, which, with boots and shoes that have some level of organic material on them. So we're really measuring that penetration. And we're really excited about the results because unlike technologies that just use UVC light, we use a combination of ozone and UVC light, which allows for really high kill rates. Um, so our technology has a kill rate of up to 99.999%, which, which is a five log reduction. And I don't know if you know the answer to this, Maria, but I mean, how does that compare to a foot bath? I mean, you say 99.99%, and that's uh, pretty intense. Absolutely. So uh, what we see right now uh, when I'm entering a facility, usually I either have a book bath or a chemical wash. And uh, what we see a lot is as we're going in, uh, you have a lot of gravel, a lot of dirt, and those tend to get saturated pretty quickly. Once they're fully saturated, uh, you might as well just skip over it because it's not having any effect. Uh, whereas this, it's self-sanitizing, it's waterproof, you can literally take a mop to it, uh, and it's something uh, to really ensure the biosecurity so the biosecurity chain is, is up and running. So I want to talk a little bit more about how this really works. I, I wish that the folks at home could see what I see, but I mean, basically it looks like one of the Dance Dance Revolution games that you would see at a main event or something where you step on it and it, it's lit up, but uh, you have a couple different settings, six, eight, ten seconds. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about that process? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So the device itself is comprised of two ozone bulbs and then four UVC bulbs. And the way it works is it's like a platform kind of thing. So first you go onto the platform and then it activates. It can be set to six, eight, or 10 seconds, depending on the kinds of microorganisms that are being targeted and the flow of traffic. And then once you step onto the platform, it activates and then the lights come on. So you stand on it for a few seconds, depending on the setting, and then you're able to proceed cleanly into the facility after having disinfected your shoes. So do you see this really being heavily implemented or really accepted into the swine industry? Because, I mean, obviously, African swine fever, PERS, PEDV, these are, you know, big deals to producers. And so have you heard anything from the industry on, you know, what acceptance looks like, usage might look like for incorporating this? Absolutely. So uh, this is the first time this device has been brought specifically to this industry. It's the first time a lot of people see it in their lives. And uh, it's really been getting a lot of traction at the show. Uh, we are really excited to have this uh, testing method going on right now for the latest strain of PERS 114, uh, with results coming out soon, as Maria said earlier. Well, Sebastian, that's fantastic. And I'm going to hand the mic off to Maria so she can kind of add on to a little bit of that. I didn't realize that this was the first time that you guys were really incorporating this technology. So I imagine that that's been uh, a fun ride. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the kind of response that we've received at the World Pork Expo has been incredible. People are really, really interested and fascinated by the technology. It's really different to the kinds of things that they've seen in the past. So we're really excited and confident that we can really make it in this industry. And on top of that, we're really flexible with all of the kinds of things that we offer. So, you know, it could be bought, bought outright, it could be financed, it could be leased, it could be uh it could be rented. So it, it, it just all depends, but we're willing to work with, you know, small, small farms to large farms on something that works for them. That's fantastic. And if anybody does want to get in touch with you guys, how can they do so about either learning more about both of your companies or just learning a little bit more about this new technology? Sure. So you guys can visit us at www.pathh 
pathothregen.com. So then that's pathothregen.com. And we have plenty of resources on there. Uh, please also follow, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. We post routinely. We always have updates of new partnerships, new customers, and new results studies that come out. Please visit us at www biosec.us that's b-i-o-s-e-c dot u-s well again marie and sebastian thank you so much for joining us today and i'm very excited that this has gotten a lot of foot traffic and a lot more people are learning about this and i only hope for good things here in the future what's especially refreshing about this industry is that people really understand that there is a need for this kind of process. So they already have protocols, you know, like, like the foot bath and, and the cleaning and, and the showering that go into keeping the environment clean. But what's been incredible is that typically, you know, people don't quite understand that we are the carriers of these diseases. We are the ones bringing this into facilities, whether it's a healthcare facility or a barn or a farm. So what's really incredible here is that people understand that pathogens are being brought in on our footwear and that we really need the best and most superior disinfection process to really tackle that before it becomes an issue and might might result in an outbreak that ends up costing millions of dollars. Thanks again there to Sebastian and Maria for joining me for that conversation. We actually interviewed Sebastian's dad, Carlos Laura, about ventilation in swine barns. And we actually did that, oh, I want to say a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, we aired that interview. So folks, if you want to go back and listen to that Tech Tuesday after learning a little bit more about Sebastian and Maria, you can do so at the Ag News Daily website at agnewsdaily.com. And with that, I'm going to let the people go.